I, I too have a hard time remembering, uh, such as uh, remembering that I did not finish a job like putting in all of the readings into our planner, and then sometimes you wind up with just one verse in the bulletin because of that. And so uh, that was my mistake and my fault, uh, that we did not have all of the Revelation verse in, uh, verses in your, um, in your bulletin. But yet, now you know what verse I wanted you to think about. <laughs> so there you go. I guess there's, there's a plan behind that. Um, and speaking of remembering, so the, the season that we're entering into is a season for us to do just that. We, we know and sometimes uh, get a little frustrated that the rest of the world is moving rather quickly into Christmas time, and we in the church season are still in Advent. And, and you do have some people who are um, rather strict about it. No Christmas until Christmas Day, Advent only. And we're kind of a hybrid of both. Uh, to where we recognize that the world is already talking about it. And if we're not talking about it, uh, generally people are going to be talking about the wrong things. And so um, though we are trying to slow down, and to remember what it is we're actually waiting for. And to remember that what we are waiting for is for Christ's return, for Jesus to come back. We're celebrating the arrival of the incarnation, but we're also waiting and celebrating the arrival that is to come. That is that Jesus' second coming. And so we, we slow down. We take the season quietly and patiently. And we find rest here. Rest from kind of all the noise that comes with the, the season. And so I, I encourage you to do just that. To rest. And to find your place of rest here as well. Uh, in the back you will find I, I printed up and made up a uh, kind of a template, a guide for devotional times at home. For either with others or by yourselves. And that's part of our sermon today. But but I, I encourage you to take that and to provide yourself with that time of rest and remembering of what it is we are waiting for. We're waiting for our Christ to return. The sermon series, as we go through that and recognize that the best way for us to wait and to be patient is for us to uh, do our devotions, is to engage with the Word and engage in the, the spiritual things of this season. Um, is for, for us to focus as a sermon series on devotions. And, and I, I start with kind of this concept and this idea that uh, comes from ancient Christianity <clears throat> from a person named uh, Bernard of Clairvaux. Uh, for those of you that don't speak French, that's how you say that. Clairvaux. Um, Bernard of Clairvaux, who was a, a monk who... Uh, as you can tell, uh, lived during the times of the Crusades, he wound up becoming what's known as a doctor of the church, which means uh, he taught theology uh, very well and was recognized by the church for having done that. And he also was well known to be a preacher who got people to go on the Crusades, which means our history and relationship with him is a little uh, complicated, if you will. Uh, but... Uh, one of the things that he taught was about this season of Advent, that there is actually three arrivals, three comings 
of Jesus that we recognize and reflect on. The first is the one that we're very familiar with, the incarnation, the, the Christmas day, the one that, that the rest of the world seems to at least somewhat understand occurred, that Jesus was born. And for us, we understand that to be that the, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so that, that we recognize as the first. The second is our daily, is the way in which Jesus comes to us daily in our lives. The way in which that we are expecting him to be present with us as we go on. And so that, that's the second uh, coming of Jesus that we reflect on. And the third is the, the, one, the, the second one that we often think of only, which is Christ's return. The coming that we're waiting for still. The one that, that we look forward to and, and we recognize is, yes, the judgment of the world, but the resurrection to life. The hope that we have. And so these are, these are the three that we'll be focusing on in our Advent sermons uh, as we move towards Christmas. And so, <coughs> excuse me, the first one is what we'll be looking at today. But I want to do it also in view of the parable that we read earlier, the parable of the sower. You know, you'll remember the parable of the sower is uh, the sower is walking along and, and throwing seeds out. If you, um, if you ever go to Nebraska, and I just, you know, keep the comments back about whether you will ever go to Nebraska, uh, you will find that uh, the seal and the image of Nebraska is actually the sower from this parable. And, and, and that he's, he's standing mid-casting seeds, and it's the same seal and image that Concordia Nebraska, the best of the Concordia system, has on its logo. And, and it's that the sower is throwing out the seeds, that is the seeds of the faith. And so some land on the path bare open to the wills of nature, and, and the birds come along and they, they peck at it. And uh, then you have those that, that fall among the rocky soil, but wind up getting burnt by the sun. And those that, that fall and land among the thorny grounds and, and are choked to death by the thorns. And then you have that that lands on the good soil and grows. And, and, and the nice thing about this parable is that it's a little different from others in the fact that Jesus actually tells us what it all means. Kind of makes it easy for us. Well, he tells us that the first one that is, is cast out are the seeds that land in the bare and the open, and the birds come in and take it. And do you remember what the birds represent? It's in your bulletin. The devil it represents the evil one who comes and eats up the seeds. So the seeds never, never actually get to come to fruition, but are just kind of devoured by the evil one. Christ's first coming into the world comes at a time when the prince of this world, the evil one, was having his way with things. Injustice not only was just a part of life, it was institutionalized. It was part of the way the world operated. Death was common among people only because it was easy for people to take one another's lives. Even those that were called to be the people of God, the, the Jews, the Israelites of the time, 
found themselves being so distant from God because they continued to build more and more laws and reasons to be righteous that separated them. The Lord even you or the, the, the evil one even used the religious to make them feel rather self-satisfied in their righteousness. Having known the proper ways to actually execute religion, they found themselves more fascinated by their movements than actually the will of God. So Jesus' first coming into this world, we recognize, and as the Gospels say, he comes into the darkness of this world. Because the world for so long had been the devil's playground. It wasn't until yesterday as I was thinking about this, that I should actually stop in this sermon and affirm something for you because we, after all, live among the wise. And we live among the world. And so let me say that it is actually part of our confession that we believe there to be an evil one. Not just some story, not just some personification of evil, but that there is an enemy of God. And if you doubt that, first, well, one, come and ask me questions. I'll be glad to answer. <laughs> but the second is take a look around the world. Take a look and see the way injustice continues to occur. Take a look and see the ways that we often still treat each other. Think of how many times you yourself have fallen prey to lies about God, to lies about yourself, to lies about your baptism, to lies even about your family. We recognize that there is one who causes spills during sermons. <laughs> Not the hands of the child, but the evil one. We recognize that the world was given over to the evil one. And that's why Jesus came. Because that darkness could not win. That darkness could not continue. That darkness needed to be brought to an end. We have told to us, even here in Ephesians, that we ourselves were once of the same world and once of the same darkness. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. A description of the world that Jesus found himself in at his birth. And the world that we found ourselves in at our birth as well. Children of disobedience. Children given over to the evil one. 
And it is for that reason that our Lord came in the flesh to be the light that not only goes through the darkness, but pulls us out of the darkness. A light that permeates into our hearts, into our minds, into our bodies, and makes us children of the light. Reading of the, the reading that comes from Christmas Day, John chapter 1, which you will remember for uh, the beginning where it talks of the Word becoming flesh, it says, But to all who did receive Him, that is the light of the world, who believe in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. Just as was said in the absolution after our confession of sins today. He gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of whom? God. Born of God now. Because we have had a God who has come to pull us out of that light. No longer are we among the children of disobedience. No longer are we of the will of the flesh. No longer are we part of that darkness. We are now children of the light. And to all who are born of God, salvation has come. That is you. The good soil the seed has landed upon. Let us not forget the danger. Let us not forget the warning that Jesus even gives in this parable as he tells us. Remember even the words that come <clears throat> out of 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary... The devil, the evil one, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The warning comes that even though we stand in this victory of Christ, even though we are now part of this light in this present darkness, as was said in our epistle reading, that the devil still prowls like a roaring lion. Hence the lies that are often brought to you, the lies that come in the form of temptation to either doubt God, to doubt yourself, to doubt your salvation, to place before you the things of the flesh and to call you, though you are not a child of disobedience. This is that lion seeking to devour I do not say that to you to put you in a place of fear or to rile you up into some sort of zealousness of charisma. But I tell you this because Christ himself stopped to warn us and his apostles did as well. And in the parable, it talks of the seed that is thrown. And so the seed that is left there on the pathway, it will be devoured by the enemy. But fear not. Our Christ has come into the world. And in coming into the world, He has given us things, such as the armor of God. The armor for the children of God to wear 
We have our breastplate. We have our helmet. We have our shoes. We have the things that the Lord has given us. We even have what the Scripture calls a lamp unto our feet to guide our ways in the laws and gospel of God. But we also have our sword. Our sword of the Spirit, which is what? A little louder, please. The Word of God. Martin Luther is famous for making the statement, one little word can fell our enemy. That in the power of Christ we have His Word, our instrument of war against the enemy. The thing that holds us strong into the faith. That is His Word. A Word that often we struggle with that is hard for us to maintain in our devotion. But the Word that becomes our way of defeating the enemy. You have the power of God to be His children. And now you have the power of His sword to defeat our enemy. Because our Christ is has come. So use it. Let it be in your life. Not on your shelf. Not in the back of your mind. But in the front. This is our season of waiting. Let us wait. Not just in anticipation, but in action. The Word of God as our sword. Take your minutes during the day and read His Word. In the minutes of your own decision-making, stop and remember the Word of God in all of them. When the lies of the evil one come to you, remember the truth of what God's Word has already said about you. You are not a child of disobedience. You are of God. When the words of the enemy come to you, calling into question the arrival of his son, uh, the Son of God into this world, remember the words of God and it says the Word has become flesh for you. Use the Word of God. Let it be on our hearts and our minds. Let it be in our hands as the sword that the Lord has given to us. Because there is no stronger sword. It pierces to the division of our bodies. And it discerns the heart and the mind. It also brings salvation with it. It becomes like the seed that lands on good soil, producing sometimes a hundredfold, sometimes sixty, sometimes thirty. But it is there for you. It is yours. Pick up your sword in this season. And let it remind you that your God has come for you. Amen?